Hello and welcome to the Stress Sessions Mental Health Podcast with me, Luke. You're listening to Series 4, Episode 17 and this week I'm speaking to a former Premier League footballer about how he's coped with the ups and downs throughout his life and professional career. I was particularly excited to chat to him because he's an invincible from Arsenal's 2003 to 2004 title winning squad, playing with the likes of Thierry Henry, Tony Adams and Dennis Bergkamp. Managed by Arsene Wenger that season, the team who I've supported from as long as I can remember, Arsenal, became the only team to finish a 38-match season unbeaten. This guest has also played for the likes of Stoke City, Birmingham City and Notts County, not forgetting Liverpool, where he was in the starting lineup for the Champions League final in 2007. Despite losing, he won the Man of the Match award for his performance. This is the Stress Sessions with Jermaine Pennant. Welcome to the Stress Sessions podcast, Jermaine Pennant. How's it going, mate? It's going very good, thank you. I'm just enjoying this beautiful weather. Played JJ yesterday at golf and won. So I'm having oh, a well great done. day today. Yeah, I'm going to make my video and send it to the group. The winner's, the winner's video. Is that one of your um, sports that you played in golf? Are you pretty decent at it? I'm all right now, yeah. Single figures. Oh, wow. So, That's decent. Yeah. Well, nine. Nine, yeah, so just, just, <laughs> just cracked in the single figure group. You know, um, yeah, we've got a four ball, me, Jermaine, Trevor Nelson, and um, a guy called Richard Ramsey, who's a music manager. We play like once a week and uh, played yesterday at the Buckinghamshire and I, and I won. So pure bragging rights. <laughs> so it's a tough school, by the way. Ooh. Tough sport. Tough school that the the banter uh, is, yeah, it's not friendly. Oh, is it? You don't you don't go there and enjoy it. It's it's war. Okay. You play with up here. So. <laughs> it's it's Jermaine like um Jermaine James is, like pretty like he's the best. Well. Yeah, he's, is he? he's, the, he's the well he's the lowest handicap. It doesn't mean you're the best, but he's got the lowest handicap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. What's the one song that puts you in a happy, positive mood? It is it's by Prince. Probably shocking a few people here, but Prince, and it's called Baby I'm a Star. As soon as I hear that, I just want to bounce around the room. Um, I use it as my gym song as well. And I just put it on repeat, and I'm just like pumping out words to this tune. It's, it's a belter. So if you've not heard it, anyone, Prince, Baby I'm a Star. Do you know what's really weird about that? So I've just released a podcast with Chesney Hawks mm. and that is one of his favourite songs as well. And I've just put his one out. It's so weird. That's spooky. Wow, crazy. It's, <laughs> it's not a song that's out there. It's, you know, it's a niche, a niche genre. So, so people only will know about it. But yeah, Baby I'm a Star Prince. Good choice. I love a bit of Prince. Like, everybody loves a bit of Prince, don't they? Oh, he's a legend, mate. Legend. What a guy. <laughs> is music a big thing for you then? Because you said that you use it at the gym to like kind of get going and sort of, I guess, chill out as well. Like, does music play a big part in your life? Oh, uh, to a certain extent, yeah. To a certain extent, you know. When you listen to different tracks, it, sometimes it brings back memories throughout your life, for your journey. There's always that one track that stands out at each, you know, point in your life, whether it's a kid or your mid twenties to your late twenties to now, or good or bad. So yeah, music is is important for sure. I think it like I've, I've said this quite a few times before, but it, it's kind of like quite an emotive thing. So it's like you put the song or, or style of music on, which kind of relates to what mood you're in. I think so. It's yeah, it's a beautiful no. thing. Especially when you're driving. If you want to chill out, you put some chilled out music. But I can remember when I was driving to golf, sometimes it's like an hour and a half. And to get me going, I'd put in music where I'm bouncing off the, 
you know, the, the, the door, the seats, I'm shaking, people driving past thinking, is he all right in there? I'm actually having a full-on rave ready to go to golf. <laughs> you got to do to start yourself up and stuff like that, isn't it? I think we've, yeah, we've yeah, like, yeah. when you're competing against, well, especially if JJ's like under, for yeah, got, get, got a decent par, then yeah, mm. <laughs> you'll get you'll get there soon, I reckon. If you if you're on minus nine now, you'll get there, I reckon. Yeah, I don't want to want to get the shots. <laughs> I want to get the points, mate. I don't want to have to turn up to play out my skin every week. <laughs> It's all going golf though, isn't it? Because everybody thinks, oh, it's like quite chilled out and easy going. There's a lot of kind of strength. It's the most frustrating sport out there. You can have a blinding round, play the next day and be absolutely terrible. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm doing the exact same swing as I did yesterday. It's just frustrating. It's frustrating, but it's, it's so good when you do get it right. I think that's why I don't play golf because I'll get too pissed off. Oh yeah, there's, you can have a full-on head loss, meltdown, clubs thrown, snap the lot. It's, it's in there for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I might take it up when I've mellowed a little bit, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Arsenal supporter, so yeah. as soon as you said yes to coming on the podcast, I was like, "This is mad!" Like, so cool. But you made you started off at Notts County didn't you and then you made the yeah. move to Arsenal for for two million which is huge for that sort of period and started playing for Arsenal as a teenager and then so basically you grew up as a young guy in Nottingham and were literally thrown into the spotlight and was playing alongside people like Thierry Henry, Bergkamp, all of those ridiculous players what was that like at that sort of age? Um, it was daunting you know, because I've gone from seeing players not not County's first team to then all of a sudden, you know, they were like Ian Henderson and Steve Finnan and Alex Dyer to then going to play with Thierry Henry, Patrick Vera, Dennis Burkham. It's like, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit daunting when, you, when you're seeing such massive figures and, and legends and stars. And being at a team like Arsenal, um, but then once you, they welcome you. Once you get used to it, um, <clears throat> it, it gets easier for for sure. But um, once playing with them, it was still hard because you you look up to them, and you don't want to make a mistake because you think their opinion, you value it very high. So at at a certain point, you feel restricted because you don't want to be ex- like when you're playing with the reses, you know, I would do things that I probably wouldn't do when I'm playing on a match day or feed because I didn't want to either get a bike in or you know, just stay in your lane. So at the same it's great, but at the same time, it has its drawbacks playing against playing with so many legends. Because I remember, I support Gillingham as well. I remember back in the day, I went to see Notts County away and play. They played Gillingham, and I mean the quality of football was was different, but it's the style of players that you had playing for those lower division teams that sort of had the biggest impact. So I remember there's can't remember what the defender's name was, but it was, I must have been probably about ten, eleven when I watched them play. And there's this giant centre back they had, and he was like, he looked like a caveman. So we we're like, oh, I, I, caveman. his name's his, his name's um, Red Redgrave or Red, oh, I know you're on about, yeah, long yeah. hair, yeah, back. yeah, yeah, that's him, yeah. He looks like Jason Moa, whatever his name is, Moa, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Aquaman. He looked like Aquaman, didn't he? Yeah, he's mad, yeah. and he was like literally a brick wall, and. I was like, this is, it was basically like hard man football, wasn't it, in the lower divisions? And it to go from that sort of style of play to going to like Arsenal with all these like ridiculously talented players must have been like a bit, I don't know, like a bit of a shock, I guess. Well, it suited me better because I'm, you know, I was what I was by the time, like five, five, eight, five, nine, you know, 74 kg, um, skinny, slim, athletic. Last thing I want to do is, is go up against Aquaman. 
<laughs> I was getting snuck left, right, and centre. So a bit more technical at Arsenal, a little bit less physical than you know than a Notts County standard of football. So it obviously suited me better, um, and it helped obviously my my style of play, my career, and to become a, a more technical player or you know learning under Arsene Wenger. And I guess like you, that was your level. So you went up to that level and you you played at that level for years and years, didn't you? So like amazing. I'm so glad that you remember that play though, because that would have been a really shit story that I told it. And you yeah, like, no, don't know what you're going yeah. on about. He was actually a nice guy. He was a really nice guy, but you see him on the pitch and you think he's an absolute nutcase. Like he'd just been released on day release or something. But it was a really, <laughs> it was really a, he was calm and chilled. But you wouldn't want to, you know, you want to want a one-on-one. In an alley with that guy. I forgot his, his name. Matthew, I think it was Matthew Red somewhere. Um, uh, but I definitely know what you're on about. Yeah, that's mad. It's, it was such a long time ago. I was like, it just popped into my head then. I was like, you might have played yeah. with him. And he did. Yeah, I know yeah. his nickname was Redders. So it's... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was his Redders. So it's, it's much better, I think. And then you, you retired from football, I think it was three years ago. And I've read a lot of cases where when the footballer retires, they find it quite difficult. So they struggle with what they want to do next and kind of, because football has, football has been your life, I guess, for the whole of your career. So how have you kind of dealt with retiring and kind of getting into, I guess, a different period of your life? Um, at first it was, it was difficult. You, you know, the, I would say for the first couple of months, six months, you enjoy it. You enjoy laying in, you enjoy not having to get up, you enjoy the days off, you enjoy spending time with your family or friends or whatnot and be able to, you know, relax and let your, your hair down. And then you're not really in the public eye anymore. But you know, once that um, novelty wears off, you then think, right, shit, um, what am I doing after work? What's uh, then that starts creeping in and gets more and more, and you start to panic. Because, like I said, footballers, if they've started from a young young age, that's all they've known. It's not like if you work, you know, in a bank, you go to another bank or you engineer, you can just, you can, they're always there. You can always find that. You can go on to as long as you want. Where football, you've only got probably 15 year max career. And then once that's over, it is difficult. And some players need also to live to their means as well. They might have heard an X, Y, Z playing. And then all of a sudden they're getting no income for a couple of years. It's going to take its toll at some point um, to live to their, that lifestyle. So then you think of work and how do you get that? And like I said, you, from being a footballer, you don't just go, right, I'm going to go into... Um, into the city, put on a suit and start working at a law firm. It's, it's difficult. You're very limited because you've got, you haven't got any qualifications anyway. So it is hard. And a lot of people and a lot of players, old players, retirees, have, do struggle with it. I think it must be harder in most cases for players that have been playing at the top level like yourself, because I think if, if you're playing in the lower divisions, I don't know what it's like now, but back in the day, they'd have had like, other jobs outside of football, so yeah. they would have that other kind of avenue to go down. Whereas yourself, like you were at the top top end, like in the Premier League for most of your career, so it's it must be difficult mentally to kind of go from having that full on everyday training, playing matches and stuff, to being like, oh shit, what's what's next sort of thing. Yeah, it is. You have to adapt quickly. You have to say, right, that was one point. That was one part of my life, my career. And then you have to have a plan. You have to have good people around you and have a plan, right? What's the next step? What can, what are my attributes now? Now football's finished. What am I good at? What can I do? You say so football, right? Good knowledge. Um, you've got, you've had a good career. You've got good stories. So um, that's what I tapped into. I enjoy media, enjoy TV, enjoy speaking. So that was my avenue. So I started doing talk sport radio, uh, done my own podcast because I enjoy telling my stories and getting my background out there. Um, work for LFCT. So there's things that I've tuned, tapped into that work for me. But I said, not everyone's 
in that position. Some people hate speaking. Some people hate being on the radio because the 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 the, uh, the pressure. So some people can't speak in front of the TV. So it, it's difficult for everyone. But um, I hate coaching. There's no way I'm going into coaching. Uh, although I think I'll be an amazing manager. Lads, if you win this game, you get two days off, down the booze up, bosh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the players, but I, I, I wouldn't want to do that. So, um, yeah, you've got to, you just got to know what you want. Yeah, I think for the players that don't want to necessarily like be on TV or like be on radio or anything like that, they have got that choice of like they're going to management, coaching, get your badges, stuff like that. So, it's, but it still is quite a limited choice, isn't it? It's like you, you either pick one of those two avenues or you completely kind of reform yourself. Like So basically, I, I had a player called um, Carla Saba on the podcast in, in the first series who I used to watch when I used to go to Gillingham matches. And he owns like, he, he basically does up sports cars now, but he used to play, be a striker for Gillingham. And I'm like, how does that even work? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's mad. Yeah. I, I want to know where to start, I'll be honest. So, um, like I said, you know, everyone's got to reform and adapt to a new a new career path, whatever they enjoy doing. You know, you've got to find what you like doing or what you think you're good at that can um, create and clear a path for your career. So there is something out there for everyone, you know, coaching badges. But then even when you do get that, that's one hurdle. The next hurdle is then, trying to get someone to hire you as a coach. And it's the same with football. Only 1% make it are footballers. And this is, I'm not saying that the odds are like that being a coach, but the, 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 the percentage is still high. You've still got to be able to get a team to, to hire you. So it is difficult. And once you've finished, there's nothing in place from the clubs on the back of just, you know, retiring. It's like, right, you finished off your pop, wish you all the best. There's no program, there's no, you know, slowly breaking, you know, help you out. It's just right now, you, thanks for your business, now go in and create your own career now. It's, 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 it's bad, it's harsh. You, I mean, you'd think there'd be something in place, like there's, like with the FA and stuff, there's grassroots football and, and kids are supported to get into the game. But you'd think there'd be some kind of help or support for players that retire and like that don't know what to do next like do, do you reckon that would be a good thing to happen yeah definitely but you know what you said it's not only for retirees it's for young players as well like academy players they've all they've known is all, all their parents they've been in the academy since six or eight or ten and all they're thinking is my son is going to make it as a professional footballer he's going through the, and he gets to 18 he spent you know all of his life preparing for being a professional footballer at whatever level. And then the team turns around saying, right, we're not taking you on. So then that young kid, Nile's life's in absolute disarray. disarray. And GCSEs nowadays don't really, you know, it's not going to, if you've got good digits, it's not going to take you to the to highest no, that you want to go. You know, do, ever, do anybody use them anymore? You know, I can't remember someone going into a, a work. I said, well, I've got good GCSEs. Can you, um, you know, it's all about <laughs> your experience now. So, but again, there's, there's nothing in place for young kids as well, where they get let go. What do they do now? Um, and it does need, because they've got their whole, whole life ahead of them, but that one setback could have detrimental effects for them moving forward. And in terms of like the mental health aspect of football, I spoke to Matt Smith, who plays for MK Dons. He was at Man City and then he went on to loan at MK Dons and then went there permanently, which is weird because I had him on the podcast last series. I live in Milton Keynes and then he moved to Milton Keynes. Mad. But um, he said that the, the mental health aspect in terms of the support from your team is pretty good now. And he's he's a young player. I think he's 20 at the minute. And he gets quite good support from the... Older, older team players what was it like for you when you were playing was was there that support system there at all was there nothing absolutely not um we the, the closest thing we had was a player liaison but that's just something oh i need this i need that you know well there's no not a 
hell in chance that I would go to that player liaison and tell him, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling or I'm going through this. You just seen that player liaison as a Joey um, to book a flight here or can you sort this out or your family, or, you know, just things like that. And there was never no you know, expert in that field of mental health where if you got a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors and you want to speak to someone at work because you think it's affecting you, there was absolutely nothing. It was you go training, do your work, off home back to whatever's driving you crazy, back to whatever addiction you've got, back to whatever de- what's causing you depression. Wake up next day, come in training, smiley face, right, we're in tomorrow. But you, you know what I mean? There was actually no, there was no medical help or staff member that you thought I could really confine and talk to him and maybe he can, it, it wasn't. Now you say, yeah, it's got a lot better and there's more awareness to it because there was awareness to mental health. But back in my playing day and before that, it was it was really non-existent. I, I, I find it mad. <laughs> it just seems mad. But do you think you would have benefited from something like that as a player back in the day? I think I would because I think they, if you had sort of a professional in there, who you know, a therapist, you know, and you speaking to them and explaining your issues, and they can find. Like now, if I went to a therapist and I told him all my my shit, they would tell me the cause of it, where, why I'm doing that, uh, and where it's coming from or came from. So if I had that when I was playing, which I know what, what I know now, I would have took different avenues. I would have their mistakes that I did make. I would have made them. I would have been conscious about it and goes, oh, okay, that's why I'm doing that. Okay, that's why I'm always wanting to go out and get validation and meet girls and. Oh, I know that that's and that was one of the biggest problems in my career. So me speaking to someone and them telling me so I can understand rather than me doing it, you know, later on in life, yeah, it would have, it would have helped me immensely. Has there been like a particularly dark place that you've been in during your what well, during your football career where you think counselling or therapy or just speaking to somebody would have helped? Yeah, I reckon when it was towards the end of my contract at, at Liverpool, both those two situations, my drink driving, I was in a bad place. And um, when, I, when I got sent to prison for it, but on the back of that was like, like I was in a really dark place. And I think even, even going back before then was when I was at Arsenal because I wasn't playing. And I would get a chance, score a magic on my debut, and then I'd wasn't playing and I just it, it really wound up I was being there since the 16 and then 21 to get my first debut and the score that trick on it I thought wicked here we go lift off and then I wasn't really involved after that and it would just, it drove me mad and the frustration and then the depression started to kick in as like oh, but at, at that time I didn't understand depression I didn't know I just thought oh you're a man you're not depressed you just you know what I mean? You're just unhappy. You're sulking. But then that led to loads of, all right, coming in training, I'm not going to be in the squad. All right, cool. I'll go out on the weekend then. Just something to let me feel better. So if I had known then, like I said, it would have helped heaps. Then the dark period was at Liverpool when I said to my agent, I've got money that I've always wanted. I've got an amazing house, swimming pool, tennis courts. I'm playing for my boyhood team, Liverpool. But I'm not happy. I didn't understand. And that's because I, I got injured, a fracture, and I wasn't playing on the Rafa Benitez in the, the second season. And I just wasn't happy and I didn't understand. I didn't understand that I was probably depressed because I had no family, no one. I was just on my own in Liverpool with, and with a girlfriend. And again, that was a dark period. What did you do in those dark periods? Because they must be quite hard, like, especially when you said there's no nobody in, in the football area to speak to. And did you speak to like friends, family, or like how did no, you deal with it? Again, because I was, I, I wish I did, but only learning now that we've all got the tool to help ourselves. I might just by speaking, speaking to someone. We all can speak, but we, especially men, we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed to say that, one, I've got an issue. We're trying to be much on keep. And two, I need help. 
we don't like asking for help and admitting that, you know, you've got a, 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 either de- you're depressed or there's some form of illness. You, them some things we I didn't do because I was trying to be, I wanted to hear, hide my vulnerability. I didn't want to look vulnerable. So what I would do to fill that void would go out and be a different person, get drunk, be a lad, or you know what I mean? No one's seeing when you're down there. They're just seeing you a party boy and getting attention from girls, which took your mind off things. So I would do all those things to not look vulnerable and not to having to express how I was actually feeling. I think that sort of behaviour, though, is just like typical bloke behaviour, like growing up. And I think if you did ever say to like one of your mates or one of your girlfriends or or family or whoever, oh, I'm depressed, I'm not feeling great. It's completely out of character. And they'd be like, oh, no, you're all right. You're all good. And as a bloke, you you just get that sort of instant reaction, didn't you? You you just get told, oh, no, you'll be right. It's just a a phase you're going through or something like that. Yeah, or you're not working or because you haven't got a job or because you've this is happening or because of that. But and then you think to yourself, oh, okay. Then it might go away for a couple of days, a couple of weeks. But then that just then comes trickling back because you've not addressed it. You think it's fine. And then, you know, something might happen. And then, boom, that sensation, that feeling comes running straight back. And then you just, it's like a cycle. You just go around in circles. It's interesting, though, like hearing you say, like, you you felt like you might have been depressed at Arsenal because you kind of, in that period, you don't actually realise it, do you? And then you look back on your life and you think, oh shit, I was going through stuff then. I just I just didn't know what it was. Like you said, I don't, I didn't know about depression. I didn't know about mental health. Exactly. And it's only yeah. until you look back and reflect, you realise, didn't you? Yeah, well, that's what I've done. And I, at 21 and in your teens, you, again, if someone said depression, you, you would think, you automatically think of someone crazy or someone, you know, yeah. in a loony bin or they're depressed or they've got, you know, they're going through all, you know what I mean? You think dramatic. Um, so exactly, I wouldn't have gone anywhere to to seek help in mental health of whatever uh, context because I wouldn't have thought I'm, I'm, I've got a mental health illness. You just think of weirdos or loony bins who, 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 who are not well. But now looking back, yeah, I probably did have issues and that stemmed from my childhood, which gave me mental health, which I wasn't aware of until speaking about later in life. But like I said, it, not just footballers, it can be any any normal Tom, Dick and Harry, but the fact that we're in the public eye, what we when we do mistakes because we're depressed and we're trying to hide them by going out and doing stuff, it gets publicised and gets, you know, the media. But like I said, you know, all our mates probably have been in the same situation and go out to cover that void but it never gets really you know documented and I mean I don't know what it must be like to have your whole life put in the papers and online and like stuff like that but if you are depressed and you're feeling shit to have that piled on top can't be fun nah nah of course it's not like don't get me wrong there's absolutely great pros and a lot of pros to being in the spotlight to being famous or whatnot um you know it is at times it is great but then you know cons do come with it and that's probably one of them if you're going for a shit and you're really in a bad place the last thing you want is to be in the press and all your dirty laundry aired out just to make matters even worse and the old nation to know that you you got mental health or you you know you're in a certain pickle rather than just seeking help and dealing with it. So it does have pros and it definitely has its cons. And you mentioned your, your childhood and growing up, and I read your book, um, Mental Bad Behaviour, Ugly Truths and A Beautiful Game. And I, I loved it. I love reading about like players like as they grow up and their careers and stuff like that. So yeah, great book. And you you spoke a lot about your, your upbringing and the environment you were brought up in. And you, you said that your dad was on drugs quite a lot and he... he taught you a lesson at a very young age to not take drugs and give you drugs at a young age and you responded badly to them. Mm. What sort of impact did that environment have on your mental health sort of moving forward and growing up into like, a, a man? 
Yeah, it was difficult. Um, very, very difficult because I, I had zero guidance for one. Um, I had no really father figure to a certain extent. My mum my, my, my wasn't around. She wasn't present. So it was just like I was just survival. That's all I kind of, of, of knew, survival. So when I was put into a certain situation, I didn't have a, a, a parent to say, oh, look, this has happened. Like, what do I... It was literally, I'm out on my own. So any mistakes I made, you've got good people and good support around you to help, you know, resurrect that or to rectify it for the future where I didn't. So I was just going and making the same mistake over and over again and wondering why as well. And obviously from the the hurt that I had from from a young, from the trauma that I, I went through as a, as a child, I didn't understand why I was doing these mistakes until later on in life when I spoke about it. I mean, it must be really hard, but like, what would you say to... to be honest like you've done ridiculously well to come from kind of like that sort of upbringing to being like playing for Arsenal Liverpool Stoke like all these like ridiculously big clubs so like fair play like you the the strength of character that you must have had to pull yourself through that is is insane but how did you do it how would you say like say you did that Uh, I think because that's the only thing that I could do Uh, that's the only option I had Otherwise, my life would have took a totally different direction. You know, I would have been involved in drugs. I would have been involved in gang. I would have been involved in crime. I would have been in and out of prison. Like you see a lot of, you know, people in in them, you know, environments, um, which I was brought up in. You know, I would have just followed suit and been in and out and selling drugs and and gun crime and gang warfare, I would have been a part of it. But I love football and I always wanted to, from when I could walk, kick anything that was round. Um, So that was my kind of get out when my mates wanted to go on their misdemeanours. All I was thinking about is playing football. I can't wait for the weekend. So that was my straightened path. That was my saving grace. That was my angel. Um, so when it happened, yeah, it, it obviously you know, took me to where it has and my survival instincts kicked in as well. But along with that, I didn't shed all what I was brought into. Some of that did come up with me, hence my many mistakes. I don't think you can ever get away from, like, your roots though can you I don't think it's no you can you can take somebody out of a certain place to and put them somewhere else but you're never yeah. gonna you're never gonna change fully to yeah like it's part I'm, it's part of you <laughs> yeah and what makes me laugh sometimes is you know I have read and I have saw and heard comments he was a flop he never reached his potential one percent of footballers make it for starters and where I came from to be in prison as well, do a time inside prison, to where I came from, what I've seen, what I went through, what pressure I had on me, to then play for my team that I dreamt of as a boy, to play in the Champions League final. I would say you put another player in that position, they probably wouldn't make it into the Premier League because of what they what they have, have done what the mistakes they've made, where they came from. So, yeah, I could have made a lot probably higher and maybe gone on to play for England if I had the the right guidance and parents and, and support and discipline. But I didn't. So for what I had, I made the most out of it. And there's not many players that have played for, like, Arsenal and Liverpool or either of those teams. Like, it's it's mad. It's, yeah. and, you, and and the thing is you dragged yourself to that like you you sort of like dragged yourself kicking and screaming for all of the shit that you've been through to put yourself in that position so fair play mate yeah thank you <laughs> I mean it's it's like I, I I see people like you and I'm just like you've come from that background you've you've 
gone through a lot of shit and it's like it's nice to sort of pay compliments sometimes because like yeah it's just yeah. nice to everyone likes to say compliments everyone likes it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'm enjoying the podcast any... so far how about that <laughs> <laughs> mate I, i'm an arsenal fan so i'm yeah a, yeah, yeah but is, is there anything in your career that you would change so like you look back and you think there's one there's that one thing that i would change to make it's slightly different yeah um when I was playing and if I wasn't playing I would sulk because I knew my talent I knew I could play I knew I could do a job but I would sulk I would you know have my head down and kind of mope about sometimes and not be professional again that's because I didn't know how to I never had that as a kid, it was just, it, it was, it was chaos. There was no structure in my life as a child, zero structure. So me being an adult, all I knew was chaos and zero structure. So I didn't know how to handle certain things, but I wish I was more professional at times. If I wasn't playing, going, okay, let's keep, let's keep working hard. Let's keep working hard. Um, and I think that would have made a, a massive, massive difference. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> you spoke about your time in prison as well. And like, that must have been very hard, like being a professional footballer and have, like, having a, a pretty decent lifestyle and mm. playing for some good clubs to, to being in prison. How did you, how did you deal with that situation? How did you cope? It was, it was crazy. It was, it was really crazy because I didn't expect to be in there for one. Um, it was a drink driving offence. And I was just numb. It, it was so weird I was numb. When I was in there, it's like I just kind of shut down my emotions, which I've learned to now express emotions because you're keeping that pent in, you know, leads to, you know, destruction. But I shut down emotions. I didn't cry, which I thought I'd be in there, a nervous wreck. I just literally shut down. Um, I was numb. And I just, I was just thinking about the whole time my career is over, all that hard work and dedication and training and getting to where I wanted to get to. I said, I've just threw it away. And I was distraught. And my freedom just was taken in that month I spent there and I could ponder and think about a load of things. But crazy enough, Steve Bruce signed me when I was inside. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he made the deal when I was inside and he came to visit as well. And to this day, I always speak highly of him. I was saying that he's, the, he's not the best manager, but he's the best man manager that I've ever worked with. That must have been surreal, like when you're in prison and Steve Bruce just pops up, like, yeah, I signed you. Yeah, because I was on loan, on loan to, from Mars, I was on loan there. I had my court case pending. And when I went to court, they sent me down. So my loan kind of finished. But then Birmingham and Arsenal, they done a deal. And yeah, they, he was happy with my performances and then he signed me. And then he came to the prison. And um, it was weird because when he came in, you, you're like you're in a a massive kind of canteen kind of thing you might see on TV. It's, it is how it is, and you saw all the inmates turning around, like forgetting about their visit. They're looking at mine because I've got <laughs> I've got <laughs> I've got Steve Bruce, Bruce in there. Uh, you've got some inmates not seeing the missus for twelve years, but they're like turning around looking at my missus <laughs> 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 raging. Um, but no, it, it was surreal. And I was like, I was for him to do that is 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 crazy. It's like, you know, I'm very grateful. Um, we had a good chat. And and I think that's why I played probably one of the my best players of my football career. It was was under him for the, you know, to thank him and repay him. And on the back of that, though, got me my move to Liverpool. 
So, I mean, it must it must have given you a big boost by him visiting you and being like, I want to sign you. Like, you must have been like, shit, I, 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 I'm back. I can do this again. It was because it, it felt like I had nothing. And um, what was I going out to? Because um, I didn't think, who else was going to sign me now? Who's going to sign me? It's just not heard of. And then when that happened... It, it helped me a lot to get through that the next, you know, next two weeks. And I was looking and dying to get out and I couldn't wait. And not, I wasn't scared then. I wasn't scared what's to face, what's to come. How's my life going to turn out? I was like, yes, get me to training. I can't wait. You know, start all over again. And like you said, you had a great season. Got that transfer to Liverpool, played like, loads of times for Liverpool got to the Champions League final like could you when you're in prison if somebody said to you like oh you're going to play in the Champions League final for Liverpool you'd be like what? <laughs> I'm going what you been smoking? <laughs> Absolutely some strong stuff that pal um, no I wouldn't have uh, I don't think I'd have believed you you're saying if you're going to you're going to play in the Premier League again I just, you know, someone said, oh, yeah, you're going to play in the Premier League. I said, yeah, good one. You know, I'm going to probably end up going champ or league one and, and I'm working my way back up, hopefully. But, yeah, that was, again, it was looking back crazy, crazy, but very, very, very grateful as well. I mean, like, I just thought of it off the top of my head, but it'd be a good pub quiz question, wouldn't it? What's the one player that's been in prison and then played in the Champions League final a few seasons later? Because I bet you're yeah. the only one. You must oh, be the only person that's happened. One hundred percent. So yeah, it won't. It won't have. Um, pub quiz. It'll definitely be a tough one. I'm definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm the only one for sure. But, uh, if you look at the Premier League elites, you know, <laughs> I don't think they've been in prison. You know, they might be visiting, but Jesus. Your partner Jess has also been on the podcast, and she struggled with her mental health over the years, and she's found her coping mechanisms. So when I spoke to, she was like, I do ice baths. I do a lot of exercise. Has, has you, your relationship with her helped your mental health to some extent? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the reason why we connect so well as well, because she had a tough upbringing. Her childhood was, 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 um, was very bad. And we connect on that level as well, because we understand each other. Well, you know, I think if I was with, with someone who, you know, had a wooden spoon, you know, everything perfect, they wouldn't understand my, when I'm down, they wouldn't understand me to a certain extent. They're like, what are you on about? What are you upset for? You know, well, because my life's been shit. Um, so sometimes them two people collided, then were, but me and Jess, we, we got like a house on fire and seeing how she copes when she's got a, when she's feeling, you know, the pressure and how she adapts to it, definitely, definitely helps. And I feel at ease speaking to her when there's any issue for, for any situation and she listens and, and, you know, gives the best advice and helps as best as she can, which is, which is brilliant. You're the first couple to have ever been on the podcast. So that's a, that's a new thing. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell her that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, that's lovely to have because I think that a lot of, even a lot of couples out there don't openly speak about stuff like that to each other. I think a lot, especially blokes will struggle to even speak to their partner about the, the stuff that's going on inside their heads. So to have that is is great and it's great that you do it because like, again, not a great deal of people do that. Absolutely not. And I think that's one of the biggest things. They hide it from the partner. I might tell, you know, Billy down the road, but they won't tell the, the, the partner because, one, they don't know how she or he will react. And two, is it going to cause a rift? Is she going to look at him differently? So, uh, you know, all those things playing a, a man or woman's head in mind when they feel they need to tell these things, but with like something with Jess, I can, she's been there. So she understands it easier and, and helps, but yeah, men and women, it is hard to tell their, their spouses. 
and I, I want to talk about your podcast a little bit because it's, it's it's brilliant it's a great podcast can you tell it's called brutally honest what can yeah. you tell me about it uh, yeah I just thought first of all I wanted to get my story out like the first episode I just wanted to get my story out you know with a it's called Sean McNicholas is a, is a therapy and all sorts of you know, practitioners that, that he's working with and what he's got under his belt. And it was just to let people know my background, me speaking to a therapist and hearing the results on hand, why I did this. And there could be people exactly in my situation hearing this and thinking, oh my God, I can relate to that. Okay, so that's that's why I'm doing this. And then change their path so they don't make the same mistakes and help their future. So that's why I wanted to do it. And then I just got people asking to, you know, come on and I got, who have had trauma, childhood trauma, if it's from, or adult, you know, a woman being raped, a mother in black, all these traumas that there is hope and there is ways of dealing with it. If it's speaking, a gambling addiction, seeking help and, and speaking to someone. So it's brutally honest all about traumas and uh, addictions and helping people find the right way and path and the tools to go in, you know, deal with whatever they're going through. And it's all on my own. I've stayed on my own, no help. I've suggest, you know, I've uh, got me in touch with someone, but apart from that, I've said it up. I do everything. It's all literally run by me and Jess. That's amazing. And you're smashing it as well. Like you're doing so well in the charts and like you've had some brilliant, like you said, some brilliant guests. So yeah, well done, mate. Yeah, I, I guess it's not easy. So, well, no, to yourself is always it, it, it isn't <laughs> easy, especially when you're on your own. It's, it is difficult uh, to keep it flowing. But no, I enjoy it. And hence why I'm on this one. So, I do enjoy talking on them as well. What is your happiest place in the world? Oh, my God. Do you know what? It's just chilling watching something on Netflix with me and Jess. It's just a good series. Oh, you can't beat it. And then you end up binge, binge series and watching like four and it's like two in the morning. You've got one eye. <laughs> That's my happiest. That, that I'm playing goal. What's your series? Oh, what have we just watched? Well, I've just finished Stranger Things, a new one. Oh, yeah. Um, That's good. Oh, what's the other one we just watched? Oh, we've just watched one as an absolute belter. I forgot what it's called now. I just watched so many. Watched so many on the top of my tongue. <laughs> Jess, what series did we watch? Yeah. Killing News, all right? Oh, uh, I've not seen that. Yeah, it's all right. The one after that one. Oh, Shining Girls. Yeah, there's a few. Oh, I've not seen either of them. Yeah, Shining Girls is all right. Because we, me and my wife have... We are we to below deck. It's oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Boat, you're in boat program. Room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in program. So, yeah, yeah. so we literally have smashed through those series. There's like ten of them. There's there's, there's <clears throat> below deck and below deck Mediterranean. We smashed through yeah. literally all of them, and we we only figured out why we absolutely smashed through them the other day. And it's because they're so routine. So they're basically it's the same concept in every single episode, every single series, and we're like. Yeah, because we both suffer from mental illness, so we like that routine of the program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Isn't Mad, it? yeah, crazy. weird. Yeah, Blow Deck's good. I've had a few people from Blow Deck on here as well, and yeah, in- interesting people to speak to. Yeah, yeah, I've not really watched it too much, but I've seen a couple of episodes. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Or summer or wind? Dogs, definitely. Do you yeah. not like cats? No, they're useless. <laughs> but they don't give you no joy. They don't give you no love. They just wander off on the road and come back expecting to be fed. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's true. It's very, very true. <laughs> summer to that question. Next question, definitely summer. Oh uh, yeah, definitely summer. City break or beach holiday? Ah, oh, beach. Yeah. If I want to go city, I'll go London. <laughs> yeah. So, beach. Day or night? Oh, I'm a night owl for sure. Night. Henri or Burkamp? 
Oh, you can't say that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go Thierry just for the amount of goals he would score as well and the style of goals. But Burkham, though, what a magician. And the last one is, I think I know the answer to this one, but the unbeaten season at Arsenal or the Champions League final at Liverpool? Do you know what? Because I wasn't massively involved in the, you know, Invincibles, obviously I scored the nat trick, so I am a part of it, but not massively involved. I'm going to have to go Champions League, sorry. That's what I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's insane though. Like, Champions League final, it's middle. But like, they're two pretty big things, like being in Champions League final and scoring a hat trick in the unbeatable yeah. season. Yeah, it's, nah. it's it's two you know two big landmarks that I'll always cherish and tell the grandkids for sure. Um, I want to advise on the hat trick one though. I want to advise you know maybe drinking beforehand, but I didn't expect <laughs> to play. <laughs> but I want to advise that. But no, it was it was both great landmarks and great achievements for myself. Thank you so much, mate. I'll let you go out and get some sun. All right, cheers, mate. Take it easy. Have a good day. (laughs) Have a good day. Cheers, mate. Bye, bye. Bye. This is an advert. This is an advert. Since giving up alcohol last year for my mental health, I've been searching high and low for a zero alcohol product that still has the great taste and quality as an alcoholic one. And I think I've finally found the one in Unlimited Beer. In fact, with a choice of lager and an IPA, Unlimited Beer has got me covered from all angles. Whether I'm watching football at home or planning a barbecue with mates in the warm weather, I can have a few cheeky bottles without the alcoholic content and most importantly, without the hangover. Whether you're teetotal or are considering giving up alcohol for a while or are just sober curious, why not try Unlimited Beer? At just 23 calories a bottle, you just can't go wrong. And by entering the discount code LUKE10 at the checkout, you'll receive 10% off any order through www.unlimited.beer. That's www.unltd.beer.